We've talked a good bit this Christmas about how this year really feels a little bit different, and it does for lots of reasons. Some of you are here maybe for the first time at Christmas Eve because there's not a family gathering that you normally attend. We've had several people who've told me that tonight. Uh, we're separated by pews, right? Last year we packed in as many as we could. This year we've got to spread out a little bit. We came in wearing masks tonight, a lot of us. So it's just a, a different feeling tonight. And because of that, we've talked about this season of wanting things that feel familiar. And so we've done a few more traditional songs. Our, our decoration in the church is a little more traditional. It's just been that kind of year where we've wanted that sense of feeling like things were the way they should be. And we've talked about what's important. This year has caused us to sift through our lives and think about what really does matter. And that's changed, I think, what we want for Christmas. And so our Christmas lists look a little different this year, maybe than they have in the past few years. We might have things like love and joy and peace and hope on our list this year. And in fact, those are the things that we've talked about in church over the past few weeks. Love and joy and this last Sunday, peace. And tonight, we come to hope. Hope is something that we desperately need, desperately want all the time, and certainly right now. And Christmas Eve is a night for hope, right? We're anticipating something. We're anticipating Christmas morning. We're anticipating the birth of Jesus. And, and so it's a night of hope. Now, for me, when I was a kid, Christmas Eve was definitely a night of hope because I was ready for Christmas morning. And a lot of times I didn't sleep hardly at all that night. And this video will show you what Christmas hope looked like for eight, nine, ten-year-old Jamie Jones, okay? That was awesome. <laughs> I loved it. I mean, there's nothing like, you know, a, a package under the tree wrapped up and it has that Lego rattle, right? Loved that. But maybe our hope is really more important than what's going to be under the tree. I'm sure we have gifts that we're excited about giving tomorrow, but, but there are forms of hope that come to us tonight. And after going through the year we've been through, we're searching for hope. We want hope, just as we always have, but maybe even a little bit more after dealing with some of the challenges. But it's more than just that, right? There are people in the room and people listening online who are hoping for some hope for their marriages, hope for their kids that they feel like have gone the wrong direction, hope for a job situation that seems like it's just not going to get better, hope for a financial mess that we just don't know what to do with. We're looking for hope. We desperately need hope. But how does the message of Christmas Eve. How does the message of the birth of Jesus somehow communicate to us that we should be a people of hope? I want us to think about that tonight. And to do that, we're going to turn to Luke chapter 2. Now, we've sort of talked through the, what we call the birth narratives of Jesus' life in the last couple weeks in Matthew and Luke. And tonight, we come to a story that actually happens after some of that. The story here at the end of Luke chapter 2 is after Mary and Joseph go to Bethlehem from their home in Nazareth because they've got to go. Caesar Augustus said we're going to tax everyone. There's going to be a census and you've got to go to your hometown. So Joseph took Mary and they went. 
The story we look at tonight is after there was no room in the inn, after that the, they found a stable apparently where Mary gave birth and then laid Jesus in a feeding trough. It was after angels appeared to shepherds and the shepherds came to see Jesus. Several days later, they would have been required, Mary and Joseph, to go to Jerusalem and appear at the temple. There would have been a sacrifice required for Mary to make purification after the birth of a child. And then a few days later, they would be required to go back to the temple and bring another offering. The first one would have been animals. And what we know from Mary and Joseph is that they gave the offering that was for poor people. But on this offering, it was an offering of money for a son that had been born. And so they're on their way to the temple, but God has arranged something special for this moment. There is a rendezvous that they were not expecting, and it's with a man named Simeon. And this is his story. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. And part of what the Holy Spirit had told Simeon was that he would not die until he saw God's Messiah. The fulfillment of all the prophecies. He would not die until he saw that. Now, whenever I think of Simeon and whenever I see any art that's related to Simeon, I think for 2,000 years we've always assumed he was an old man. He was nearly to death and God was sort of keeping him alive until he got to see this Messiah. But we don't really know that just says he's waiting. But on this day, God led him to the temple. He's a man who's devout, righteous. It means he follows the law and he's straight up when he's dealing with people. And this day, God said, now's the time. Verse 26 or 27, moved by the spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for the, in the sight of all the nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm going in church... And some guy grabs my baby boy and starts prophesying. My first reaction is, just hang on. Let me have my baby back, okay? But Mary and Joseph somehow recognized that this was something special. And they heard the words that Simeon spoke. And in the next verse, it says that they marveled over what Simeon said. Now, some of this, if, if they already knew he was the Messiah, and that's what they had begun to hear from the angels that visited them, they knew that Jesus, this child, was going to change everything for Israel. That he was going to be in the royal line. That he would be a new king. That he would be the salvation of Israel. The glory of your people, Israel, Simeon said. But there's one line that I think would have stopped them dead in their tracks. A light for revelation to the Gentiles. Now, when the Jews heard the word Messiah, they knew that this was a person who was going to save Israel, bring them back from foreign oppression, sort of deal with the consequences of their sin. That's what they were expecting. But here, Simeon says, yeah, he's going to do powerful things for Israel, but, 
But the Gentiles, the rest of the world is going to receive a revelation through this Jesus. In this moment, Mary and Joseph begin to see that the message, the ministry, the person of Jesus, everything about Him is cosmic in scope. This is not just some local God making a difference for His people. This is the one true God changing the course of history. This is God doing something so big it would have, had, would have an effect on people all across the globe. And tonight, that includes us. This message that changed the history of the world. We finish up the story in verse 34. Then Simeon blessed them. And he said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Simeon says it's not going to be easy. If Mary and Joseph up to this point had heard the message of the angels and sort of thought, okay, this is all going to be sunshine, sunshine, rainbows, and roses, this told them different. That Jesus was, with his message, going to bring some conflict. But you know, whenever the kingdom of God and the kingdom of man cross paths, there is always going to be conflict because the priorities and the goals of the two kingdoms are diametrically opposed. And they would see that. Jesus would see that play out in his life. Mary would see sort of the back and forth of that. We see glimpses of it in the Gospels. And then on a Friday afternoon, some 30 to 33 years later, we know that when that conflict was at its height, and Jesus was on the cross, Mary was there looking. And certainly a sword pierced her soul in that moment. But it was also in that moment that everything changes. Because Jesus did, we talked about this Sunday, Jesus did deal with the sin problem, not just of Israel, but of humanity. And not just the sin problem itself, but the consequences of that sin. Which for us is death. Which for us is eternal punishment. So Jesus dealt with that problem. Jesus powerfully came into this world and offered us forgiveness of our sins to change eternity for us, but that's not the end of the story. Because Jesus represents a God who is active and alive today, who is certainly interested in our eternal salvation, but is also active and engaged in what's going on in your life right now. A God who cares what you're struggling with tonight. A God who cares what you're overjoyed about tonight. Tonight we've come together to celebrate a God who is active and alive. And because this God is active and alive in these kinds of ways, we are a people of hope. This passage for me teaches a lesson that might go like this. Hope for what matters. Hope for what would really make a difference in your life. You see, we worship this God who loved us enough to be present among us. Now, we've talked about making a list this past month, and it's not a list for Santa Claus. God's not like a genie that we can just command to do three things that we want him to do. 
God sometimes does what we think is best, and sometimes God knows better. Sometimes God has a different plan. But what we do know is that God is present and active and alive, and he is waiting for us to talk to him. God offers us hope for eternity, but God offers us hope for now. So whatever you're dealing with tonight, God offers us hope. So we've come together tonight to celebrate a God who offers hope for marriages that seem like they're beyond repair. We've come together tonight to celebrate a God who offers hope when kids have gone such a terrible direction, we wonder if we can pull them back. A God who offers hope to those who are sick. A God who offers hope in the face of death. A God who deals with the things that are most important in our lives. God is calling us to hope for what matters. And so on this Christmas Eve night, as we think about the things that matter most to us, I want us to express that. So I'm going to ask our musicians to come on up and I'd like for you to take that bag that you picked up on your way in. Several things in it we're going to use over the next few minutes. And the first is this little wooden ornament. Sort of in the shape of a scroll. Maybe a list. A Christmas list. And again, not to write to Santa for what we want, but to think about hope for what matters. You've got to pen as well. And what I'd like for you to do is think for just a minute. I'd like for you to think about what's on your heart tonight. What are you hoping for? I mean, there's a need in your life. There's a need in every single one of our lives tonight. And you need some hope. You need hope that God can deal with the problem that's there because he's a powerful, active God. And so I'd like for you to think about how can you boil that down into maybe it's one word, maybe it's a couple words, maybe you have to write a sentence on there, I don't know. But take that pen, and I'm going to give you a minute. Joy's going to play, and I want you to write something on that ornament that represents the hope that you're looking for tonight. Let's take a minute. I'd like for you to take that now, if you will, and if you want, you can hold it out like this where the words are there. If you want to put the words behind, I don't care. But if you're comfortable doing so, will you just 
hold us up, and I'm going to pray over the things that we're hoping for. Let's pray together. God, you're a God of hope, a God who's powerful and loving and graceful and forgiving and faithful. So God, we bring to you our needs, what's on our hearts, things that matter to us. And we ask that you would be at work. Work in ways that we just can't because we don't have what you have. And God, make us, because you're a God of hope, make us a people of hope. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to sing.